Brethren, it is really good for us to be together like this. I'm delighted to see all of you here this morning, and I'm truly happy and blessed for the opportunity. I'm getting better, thank God, and I want to thank my nurse who've been faithfully looking after my feet. I really do appreciate and I want to say it publicly. This morning we have some special people in the audience with us. We have Bernard Fari from Grenada who is worshipping and uh, Ketra I believe and her sister and Son, I have brought him, I suspect, and we are happy to have them all. We have Zanis Jackson, happy to have you once again. God bless you. All of our visitors, we have Caroline, who is, many of you probably don't know that, but Caroline is actually the granddaughter of a brother who was a pillar in this congregation in its very early days. In fact, he was one of the original trustees when the church here got incorporated. Brother, his name just slipped. Somebody tell me, Brother Joey, tell me. Chris, Brother Chris, a no-nonsense brother. I remember the very first men's meeting. I came to, Brother Chris was there, but I wouldn't tell you the story. Brethren, you know, we ought to be happy to worship God. God is truly great. Some of our brethren, are overseas and we need to remember them and I trust that they have an opportunity to worship this morning. Sister Richards and Brother James, we must remember him. And those who may be studying, I haven't seen Raffaella so I'm not sure if she's home on holidays. We have to remember our brethren. I want to ask you to turn your attention to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. But as we as you turn there, you know sometimes when a preacher asks you to turn to a passage, I suspect your mind should be racing and saying, hey, I wonder what is he going to talk about today? But when we talk about Genesis chapter 1, what do you think about? You think about the big creation. You think about the beginning of it. God created heaven and earth. We asked about Genesis chapter 2. And you begin thinking about the Garden of Eden. And its beauty and the work that God gave man to do there. And that wonderful marriage ceremony. When we think about Genesis chapter 3. Somebody comes in the picture to corrupt it. Satan enters. And we think about sin. And we think about the consequences of sin. And in Genesis chapter 4, we begin thinking about having children. 
Adam and Eve having children. And we think about something else. Apart from the genealogy of that early folk. Well, if we look at Genesis chapter 4, and I just read from verse 5, it tells us, But unto Cain and his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Those of you who know the story know that God had no respect to his offering, but God had respect to the offering of his brother Abel. Verse 6 says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? And I want us to zero in on verse 7. If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin light at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. That makes me sad. That should make you sad. I believe it made God sad. Certainly it must have made Adam and Eve sad. Brethren, verse 7 in the contemporary English version reads like this. It says, if you had done the right thing, you would be smiling, but you did the wrong thing. And now sin is waiting to attack you like a lion. Sin wants to destroy you. But don't let it. I want you to listen to that again. Sin wants to destroy you. But don't let it. You see, when God came and spoke to Cain about his demeanor, because he was angry, he was wrought, as the scripture said. God was trying to help Cain to snap out of it and to do better. He could have changed. The word of God is truly powerful. When we hear the word of God, it is to make us change. Change for the better. Sometimes when we hear the word of God, all of us have a guilty to some extent. We have a tendency of taking it and shoveling it up and throwing it with somebody else. That's for you. That's for you. And forget that first and foremost when we hear the word of God preach, it is for me. Each of us 
God has all authority over every one of us. Fathers in homes, mothers in homes, children in homes, elders in the church, evangelists in the church, teachers, preachers, deacons, whatever. Prime ministers in the nation, kings and presidents, whoever they are. God is in control. But Cain made the wrong choice. He did not use God's words to do better. To say, you know what? Lord, next time I have an opportunity to make an offering, I will give you what you want. <laughs> Bible tells us in verse 8 that Cain talked to Abel, his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, he rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him to pity. Brethren, these days, many people are addicted with their cell phones. I thought it was a cell phone Jamalius bring us. Nobody called me when I'm in worship. You know, when I used to be a manager at the airport, I used to regret that I had to have my cell phone with me. But I used to try to keep it on vibration. Because you could be in worship and somebody would call and say, oh, you know, somebody couldn't work. Especially when I used to be in charge of the air traffic controllers. Somebody couldn't come to work. And then you have to run to find a somebody to take that place and if you can't you can't leave the service undone so you know what happened you have to go and it happens so many times i'm not complaining but i have a feeling it had something to do with the condition of my heart today that stress it probably had something to do with my other medical problems because stress is a terrible thing but thanks be to god People are addicted with their cell phones. You know, the story is told that a businessman invited one of his supervisors to lunch at a restaurant. And while they were there, within the first 10 minutes, supervisor's cell phone rang, took the call. You say, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Before they were finished having the appetizer, he got two other calls. And you know what? He took them. Remember, he's dining with his boss, the owner of the business. And so the boss felt bad about it, but he didn't want to actually say anything. You know what he did? He took out his cell phone too. Because apart from taking because this man was texting, I don't know to whom and for what. So the boss took out his phone and texted to the supervisor next to him and said, can I have some of your attention without the phone? You know, we allow gadgets to rule us sometimes. And ever so often we have to take a conscious decision 
to ensure that we don't. You know it is possible for the service to be cut off for a significant period of time. What would you do? Sometimes people behave as if since you were in Pampers, we had cell phones and we just can't do without them. Well, God had said to, we allow the cell phone to rule us. But we have to be careful. Cain allowed sin to rule him. Even though he was warned by God, God said to him again, he said, Unto thee shall be his desire. Sin wants to get us. Sin wants to get every one of us. But he also said to him, And thou shalt rule over him. God was hoping that Cain would be strong enough to rule over that but he wasn't, he got worse. I hope and pray that all of us here today would have that desire. The lesson, not, do not let sin destroy you. Do not let sin destroy you. You see, in James chapter 1, the writer tells us, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. God never tempts anybody with evil. Neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You see Satan who is the author. He has a way of nicing it up and prettying it up and making it look real good. You can't do it out it. But we are the ones who are drawn away. You can't even blame the devil. He must put up, he has to do his work. He has no hope of salvation. And he wants to get us to be with him. But when he dresses it up and says, this is good, each of us have a choice to make. We have a decision to make. Life is short, my brethren, friends. Life is short, but eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever. Don't let sin destroy you. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Death. You know, the world don't like to talk about sin. I mean, when last you met with one of your friends and said, let's talk about sin. When last you text, you love to text, right? When last you text one of your friends and talk about sin. We don't like to talk about sin. We don't even like to talk about, call the word. So even though sometimes you, you talk, you talk around it. But brethren, though sin is pleasurable, and it is in many respects, it, it is pleasurable, isn't it? Enticing, nice. But it is dangerous. 
and has deadly consequences. Sin is the reason for Jesus Christ coming into the world on a rescue mission. It was because of sin. Matthew chapter 1, we read that she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their, from their, from their sins. It is sin why Jesus came into the world. In fact, in Mark chapter 2, we read, When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners, sinners, Unto repentance. That's why he came. So let us spend some time this morning talking about sin. What exactly is sin? What does sin do? Talk about the remedy for sin. Do not let sin destroy you. So, what is sin? You know, as Christians, and especially those of us who are Christians, we need to be ready to talk to our friends about sin. Because all of us need to be equipped to evangelize. That's why Jesus came, we said. And we are supposed to take Jesus. But unless people understand what sin is, they don't need Jesus. He's just another good person. Just another friend. But he's more than that. Simple and plain, sin is rebellion against God. I want you to hear that. Sin is rebellion against God and His Word. When we break the law of the state, any law, whether it be driving laws, speed limit, not paying the taxes, lying in the court. When you break any law of the state, it is called crime. Am I right? When you break the law of God, it is called sin. The Greek word from which sin comes, hamatia, hamatia, it means specifically to miss the mark. Bullseye, target, when you miss the mark, that's the picture. That's what sin is all about. So when God calls us to live a particular way, if we don't live that way, it is sin. We rebel against God. Whosoever committed sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. First John 3, 4. Sin is breaking God's laws and commandments. In fact, when John wrote in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 17, John says to us that all unrighteousness is sin. All 
Sometimes we look at certain sins and, and, and it's easy to see them. Somebody's not married and they're getting a little fat. A lady, she's pregnant. You see that sin. You could all see it. Yes, it is sin. And you forget sometimes a man was involved. You don't sometimes you don't see the sin on his part. That's sin too. Somebody tells a lie. Somebody refuses to treat Jesus the way he deserves to be treated. How would you feel if you're getting married? You're getting married and you have your friends. You invite them to your wedding. But when you come to the wedding, it's you and your witnesses alone and the preacher and you ain't see the friends. And then when it's time for the reception, you see the place full. How do you feel? How do we think Jesus will feel when as his children, children of God, brothers of Jesus Christ and sisters, he summons us to come together. For example, for Bible study on the first day of the week, and consistently, you decide in your mind, not that you can't, but you decide in your mind, I am not coming. You know, you think Jesus feel? Is that or is it not rebellion? And if it is rebellion, what is it? The little word. And if it is sin, and you keep doing it, on and on and on. How does Jesus think about you? And if you make excuses, will he accept them? Are there passages, brethren? Reason with me, please. Don't try to give anybody else. Take it for yourself. Every one of us. Are there passages in the scriptures where Jesus speaks about people who say, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But first, let me do this and that and the next. Excuses. How did Jesus accept them? Luke chapter 9. How did he feel? What did he say when he sent out his servants to invite the master, to invite people to the banquet, and they made good, plausible excuses? What was Jesus' response? Does that have anything to do with me and you? Is there a message? Why did Jesus leave heaven and come down? Wasn't it to save us from our sins? Do we think we can have sins and come down here not to get married? But in a casket when you're dead. Because all of us one day, and none of us know when it's going to be. One day, we'll be there. 
and someone will behave preaching. Do you think that if we live in sin and do not do what is necessary to have them forgiven? Any preacher, however eloquent, however knowledgeable, however experienced, can say anything to change your condition? Talk to me, my brethren. Talk to me. Brethren, do not let sin destroy. Sin is serious. Really. In Psalms 119 and verse 172, the word of God says, My tongue shall speak thy word, shall speak of thy word. For all, listen to this, all thy commandments are righteousness. All. So, when the word of God, for example, tells us that we as Christians must be zealous of good works, we must be zealous of good works. Do we stop to ask what does that mean? We all can quote 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, unmovable, always, always, always. What does that mean? Do the same old thing or in descending measure? God knows what we can do and physically all of us are getting older. Am I right? One day at a time, all of us. And there are things that we may be able to do when we are young that we cannot do at older ages. Right? That's why when you are young you need to do all that you can do. But we, God knows what we could do. God knows. Marvin, I might not know what you can do. I can assume, but I can assume wrongly. But God knows. He wants us to be zealous. Christians, all of us, just imagine what it will be in this congregation if all of us, apart from wanting to sit during the hour of worship from 10 to 12, that we were all zealous and excited to be at Bible study. That we will purpose that next Sunday we will come, whatever is happening. Unless you are hindered by sickness or something, that that where God wants you to be. Because He promises to be here with us. And we come not just to come, but we come to learn, to hear more of the Bible. Because we want to be able to be better servants of Jesus Christ. Just imagine what it will be in this congregation. And let me just say to you, brethren, Wednesday night, over 60, maybe 67 persons were here for Bible study. That was so good. That was wonderful. And I want to commend every one of those 67 people and to encourage you, continue keeping on. We're getting better, aren't we? We can do better. We have to be serious about it. But what about if when we learn, we take what we learn and we carry it out there? At school, in the community, when you text, when you Facebook, when you whatever you just do, what, what's up? 
<laughs> I just finished I heard a lady trying to talk about WhatsApp. I don't know because I don't use it as such. But I hear it. WhatsApp. She's talking about WhatsApp. She made WhatsApp. Yeah. Anyway. Alright. Brethren, what a difference it could make when we talk to our families. You see, we, we must understand what sin is. Little sin can destroy people for all eternity. And that's why we need to take it seriously. We sin by omission and commission. You know that. When we talk about sin, and you think of some of the things that sin does and can do, sin separates man from his maker. I believe we have heard that so often that it don't mean too much to us anymore. That's one of the problems. If you don't take the scripture seriously, you hear it, you say, I hear that already. You don't, you, how much times you can say that? But you're not doing anything. Sin separates man from God. God is the maker. God is the giver of life. And when we are separated from God, Jesus once spoke to a multitude in John chapter 8, and he said to them, I go my way, and where I go you cannot come. And he speak about them dying in their sins, if we are separated from God, and we die in our sins, we are going to an endless hell, torment, torture. It's not going to end. It is because of the love of God that he warns us about sin. It is because of his love why he sent Jesus and why Jesus built his church and calls us out of the world into his church and never give any authority for the establishment of any other church or churches. Are you hearing me? And that's why we need to carry the message to the world that God wants all of us in one body. Well, everybody's not going to bother with you. But there are a lot of people who say they're following Jesus and they find themselves in organizations that Jesus never spoke about. In fact, when he speaks about them, it is in the negative. Because he says, whosoever is not with me does what? So he speaks about them. He says, there shall be one shepherd, that's him, and one fold. So when there are many folds, he speaks about them. But it is in the negative. Are you hearing, brethren? We Christians. So sin separates man from God. Sin robs us of peace. Talk about stress a while ago. Sin robs us of peace. Isaiah 57 and verse 21. Isaiah 57, 21 says, There is no peace, said my God, to the wicked. When we rebel against God, He calls us wicked, whoever we are. Man, woman, boy, girl, rich, poor, high, lowly, educated, not so well educated, doesn't matter who you are. He says there's no peace. So you're robbing yourself. That's why when Paul wrote to the, the Romans in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul said, 
Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in our sins we don't have peace. Thanks be to God, Jesus came. And when we obey Him, we can be justified. Just as if you have not sinned. And when you are justified, when your sins are forgiven, you have peace. But what about if you are washed? And you go back to live, instead of living to please God, you live to please yourself. Because no brother Joey rule in my life. That man, brother Jack, he think he's this or he think he's that. He wore on my life. I don't want to run your life. I love you and I want you to go to heaven. That's all. And I know how serious sin is. And if even you vex with me, I will still tell you when I have an opportunity. We need to follow Jesus. All of us. Are you hearing me, brethren? I need to follow Jesus. And when I'm not doing it right, you have an obligation to tell me. Take it seriously too. Are you hearing me? We should all want to go to heaven. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You know Jeremiah, my favorite prophet, just in case you never heard that. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 25, he says, we lie down in our shame. And our confusion covered us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God. We and our fathers from our youth even unto this day. And have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Jeremiah said, I lie down in the shame. They ain't doing anything to, to change that. You know we can do something to change the situation when we sin. Not by ignoring it, not by walking away, or keep on doing what you're doing, or pretending that it's okay. No. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But those people lie down in the shame. And he said the confusion covered them. Why? Because they have sinned against the Lord. From their youth onto this day. Year after year after year. Same old thing. God expects us to be growing as Christians. If you are not yet a Christian, He expects you to change that life and come to Jesus and receive the salvation and grow in Him. Doesn't matter your age, you can all grow in Christ. I said to my dear brother, Brother Jerry, this morning, yes, the body getting weaker, as he told me. But I said, you know what? The spirit can be renewed. Praise God. Thanks be to Jesus. We can get closer to God every day. We can have a sweeter relationship. Christianity is a marvelous thing. And if you think that's so sweet, think about... I'm telling you all plenty about it today. Think about when you see Brother Jack today. In whatever box. Jan decided to put me in. I know she's saying down there. Put her there. You're going before me. But I always tell her, I wanted to bury me. 
I'm God a grant me that. But you know, in all seriousness, think about the joy. If you remain faithful to God, if you do not allow sin to destroy you, you know when you are there, there are no more temptation. You know you don't have to study to pay the bills anymore and check if you're, you're, you're licensed up or anything. You know you don't have to worry if you have a neighbor who just give you any horrors. Thank God I don't have neighbors who just give me horrors, but I have a neighbor who has a dog. I can't even sleep at night, come. I don't want to take the arm communion thing, but it has a, a metal pan and this... This thing is just beat up this fan and any hour night you waking up and you are oh my goodness. What's torment? You think I can have that when I my box after that? That done. You get me? That done. If you have children who don't treat you well or who behaving in a way that you're not happy about, when you do you don't have to worry about them no more. You, know? you do your part here. Try to encourage them and correct them here now. When you're gone. Can't do it again. Brethren, it's a wonderful thing to die as a Christian. Amen. Don't allow sin to destroy you. Amen. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit this morning about one of the big mistakes some religious people make. About teaching about original sin, but we leave that for a message by itself. But it is the one of the greatest disservice, and I'm just mentioning it now to say to us as Christians, we have to combat fiercely this false doctrine of original sin. Are you hearing me? Where people, for example, John Wesley, you know he's the founder of the Methodist Church, they would all agree to that. He wrote in a book, a book called Original Sin, on page 340. And I'm just using him as an example because there are many other noted scholars and religionists who believe the same nonsense. He said, we are condemned before we have done good or evil. Before you did good or evil, you're condemned. In other words, when you're a baby, when, once you come into this world, you're coming with sin. You're condemned already. And that's why many of them, the Catholics, Anglicans, Methodists, and, and, and a number of others, baptize babies. Because they believe the babies come there with sin. And by day, whatever they just do, supposed to be taking away that sin. How, how stupid! How false! Amen? You don't believe me? You, you, you want to shut me up? It is a stupid doctrine. We talk more about that. Brethren, I just want to say to us that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Because we all have sins. Not because we came with it, but because as the Bible says, for all have sinned. We did something. We sinned. We disobey God. Sin is the transgression of the law. We did something. And 
I am guilty, I don't know about you. I sin. But Jesus died for our sins. That's the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 15. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want us to perish. He's not slack as someone some call slackness, but is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are you willing to repent? You say, Well, Brother Jack, I'm a Christian already. Fine. If you obey the gospel because you repented then and you confess the name of Christ and you were baptized. For the remission of your sins, your sins are washed away. But if you keep on living in rebellion, how does a Christian get forgiveness of sin? By pretending he don't sin? The Bible says, if we say we have no sins, we lie. Isn't it? We deceive ourselves. So let's not deceive ourselves. But it, when we have our sins, He has made a way to forgive us still. That's the wonderful news for the Christians. That's what the church needs to hear continually. But it comes only if we will repent. If we will change our course, you can't continue the way you're going. If you continue it, I am saying to you, by the authority of the word of God, that you will die and you will go to hell. Now, I don't want that for yourself. I told you all already that a sister said to me, I think, I don't remember where we were, I think we were at a hotel. I don't remember. You know, but I remember some time ago, somebody said to me, Joel, Jack, I will see you die and go to hell. But you know what that did to me? I freed hell. Not because I did any evil, trust me. Because I was rebuking them for the behavior that they were carrying on in the church. And then you don't want me to tell you the rest of the story. While that person was saying so, that person was living in adultery. And I didn't know. And a lot, a lot of people did not even know it either. But that person was saying that to me. Thank God I believe they got it straight. And I hope that anybody who is living in sin will get it straight. You cannot live in adultery. And I don't mean what man call adultery. Because man and God always have different standards, right? But whatever God calls sin, that is sin. Thank God. We don't have to. And that's why Paul was able to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and, and verse 57, Thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to allow sin to destroy you. But you have to be willing to obey Him. We will make mistakes. We will do wrong by commission or omission. But when you do, don't sit there. You have to repent. That means turn away from it. You have to confess it. And sometimes the Bible clearly tells us that that requires a public confession. Confess it one to another. I didn't say so. God says so. And whatever he says is the law. And if you don't do what he says, because you're too pompous, or too high and mighty, or whatever the condition is. Maybe you're too shy. 
You shame, you don't want people to know. Brethren, don't make these things cause sin to destroy. Let's humble ourselves. Let's be bold. You know, the Bible says, you might say, well, I'm faithful. I don't want them people. You know, they see me every Sunday. And they think I'm a good Christian. But here am I. Everybody see knowing the things that I'm not doing that I'm supposed to do, right? Right? And when that happens, you're afraid to come forward. The Bible says the faithful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the homemongers, all of them in the same group. And where they're going? Don't let fear hinder you from pleasing God. I believe we've said enough. I believe we've said enough. I want to encourage you, brethren. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian. Remember when you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can overcome Satan. We can overcome sin. We can wage the, the battle while we are here. Claim the victory and go home to glory. Are you ready? If you're not a Christian and you're willing to become a Christian, we encourage you. You can come and indicate to us. We assist you in obeying the gospel. You believe on Jesus, repent of your sins, confess him as Lord, and be willing to be baptized. If you are a child of God, God wants us to be better. He wants to make us vibrant, active Christians with whom he can say, well done. Will you? Let's stand and sing.